Welcome to Sex Ed with DB. I'm your host, DB. Let's get into it. Welcome back to the podcast. If you love and support the work that we do, consider joining my crew on Patreon to win amazing prizes like our adorable merch, exclusive behind-the-scenes content, and incredible sex toys. Go to patreon.com slash sexedwithdb to join my crew. Get discounts at all of your favorite sex toy shops at sexedwithdb.com. And follow us on Insta at sexedwithdbpodcast and on TikTok at sexedwithdb. If you want to partner with us, email us at sexedwithdb at gmail.com. Are you falling into a pattern with your partner? Looking to spice things up but aren't sure how? Exit the ordinary with Lion's Den. Lion's Den has hundreds of your favorite brands to help you and your partner reconnect or try something new. From novices to dungeon masters, there are products for every comfort level. With 50 plus years in business, Lion's Den is here to help. Can't make it to a local store? Shop online and chat with a customer service team member while you shop. Lion's Den offers our listeners 15% off in-store and online using code SEXEDWITHDB. When I was 18, I knew what felt good in my body, but I didn't know why it felt good. I felt awkward asking partners for what I wanted and didn't always put my pleasure first. If your experience sounds like mine, it's never too late to start learning about your body, your pleasure, and advocating for your needs and desires in the bedroom. Beducated offers an expert-backed library of sexual wellness courses to explore new practices, upgrade your sexual skills, and join a sex-positive community. Join Beducated from just $7.99 per month with a 24-hour free trial using my coupon code SEXED at Beducated.com. If you're like me, it's important to choose a toy with body-safe materials and a proven orgasmic track record. Fun Factory pioneered body-safe toys and has a serious cult following of vibrator enthusiasts. Honestly, you can't beat their medical-grade silicone toys. Not only are they long-lasting, they're also designed by German engineers for serious motor power. Ready for an ubergasm? Use discount code SEXEDWITHDB for 15% off your new favorite Fun Factory toy. Oriaku, welcome to the podcast. How's it going this morning? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. I'm so, so excited to have you on. We have lots to talk about, namely abortion, which is very important, very essential. And I can't wait to get into it with you. Yeah, same here. Amazing. Uh, Tell the listeners who you are um, and what you do. Of course. So my name is Oriaku Njaku. I use she and they pronouns, and I am the co-founder and executive director of Access Reproductive Care Southeast, which is ARC Southeast. Um, we're a regional reproductive justice organization based in Atlanta, Georgia, um, and we do our work in six different states in the South. And those states are Alabama, Florida, Georgia, Mississippi, South Carolina, and Tennessee. So as you can imagine, this region is definitely one of the most hostile regions when it comes to not only abortion access, but just access to healthcare writ large. So, um, and, you know, at ARC Southeast, we believe in this like really beautiful, dreamy future that Southerners can access abortion care um, or reproductive care without any biases or barriers. And so we make sure that happens by 
funding direct services, so funding abortions, in addition to providing logistical support. So that's rides, lodging, childcare, translation and interpretation, whatever folks need to get to their appointment, that's what we do. Um, and in addition to that, we, we do work around uh, like building power in the South, especially in communities of color. And doing that work is also really, really life-giving. Um, just that work around abolishing stigma and restoring dignity and justice in the whole process of getting an abortion, getting any sort of reproductive health care. Um, yeah, I really love the work that we do. It's really fantastic. Um, and yeah, that's the quick and dirty. (laughs) Incredible. Oh, wow. There's so much we are going to delve into, but first and foremost, I just want to name that your language is very intentional and I really appreciate it around life giving care around abortion. I think like breaking those stigmas and harms when it comes to folks demonizing other folks for getting abortion and sharing that, no, actually, we're giving life-giving care. Yeah. We are making these people's lives better with dignity is right. such an important framing for this conversation. Oh, thank you. Thank yeah, you. super, super fantastic. Let's talk about you and what your sex ed was like growing up. If you oh, want to just give me like <laughs> a little bit of a of a little like, you know, hint into what your life was like and and kind of, you know, how you basically became passionate about abortion work. Yeah. The funny thing is those two things are so not related, but it's so great. Um, Just, well, actually, maybe there is a connection. So there could be. There could be. Um, So my parents are Igbo from Nigeria and they moved here in the 80s. My, me, my brother, and my sister were born here. So when it came to talking about sex, I would say they're maybe more liberal Nigerian parents, but seemed more conservative to our like to my friends that were living in Kentucky with me. So when I came of age, <laughs> when I finally came of age, it wasn't my mom that had the conversation with me. It was my dad. And so, mind you, he's having this conversation after like, <laughs> like, you know, at night you like sneak and watch TV and you're like, oh, my God, is that bodies in the TV? You know, oh, so, yeah. you know, we yeah, some of us have been there. So I'd already seen some situations on TV and I was like, oh, OK, cool. Um, and so. Also, having been in um, high school in the health education class, and it was so clinical. Um, <laughs> our health teacher was a guy, and for that particular sex ed section, they ended up bringing um, one of our teachers who was a woman to the class, <laughs> and she was she was like, "This is a penis. This is a vagina. This is like it was just like very robotic." robotic. And then my dad comes along like two years later, and he's like. <clears throat> As you're becoming a woman, um, imagine yourself as a flower. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be good. Okay, yes. He was like, (laughs) imagine yourself as a flower and you have this like sweet nectar, you know? Oh, God. Oh, comedy. Um, And then he goes, (laughs) and imagine these boys as insects or these bees and you know you just have to protect your nectar because not everyone can have that and I was like word thank you dad this 
good talk. Cool, cool, cool. Thank you Thank so you. much. This Very has helpful. Been insightful. I don't even like men. This is great. <laughs> you're like you so you're like preaching the wrong choir. <laughs> yes, <man>. yes, <laughs> completely. So yeah, that was my sex ed story. Such a hot mess, but <laughs> definitely living in the south. It's like back then it wasn't necessarily like abstinence based sex ed. It was just like here are the things. And then that was it. So no conversation, no anything like that. So. A little a little better than Ab Only, maybe. Ooh, well, things have changed. Hard to say. Yeah, yeah. Ab Only is more of the course of action, I would say, in many yes. different states and in many U.S. states in general. But yes. yeah, it's hard It's hard uh, to say. I think it's like picking between two evils, which yeah. is like, here are the, here's like the a couple facts, but still there's a lot of stigma attached right. to it. So like, that's not great. And then Ab Only obviously is terrible. So yes. it's like, I guess I'd rather have the robotic lady talking oh, about geez. a penis and vagina. <laughs> It was just so funny. But, you know, being the queer person I always wanted to be, knowing that I couldn't do that in our small town in Bowling Green, Kentucky. So when I finally got to college, there was opportunities to get involved in different types of social activism. And so, you know, coming out right before I literally like the day before I turned 20. That was one of my goals to be like, I'm not going into adulthood um, or going into my 20s without like at least my parents knowing that I'm gay. So I did it the day before National Coming Out Day and had really gotten in, involved with some LGBTQ activism, but it just wasn't speaking to me in the way like the activism was like, you have, or these are 200 and whatever laws that we, rights that we don't have because we're gay. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Um, And it was very focused on marriage equality. But for me, I'm like, I'm Black in America and a first generation immigrant. And all of these things that you're talking about are important, but there's so much more um, as being like a black queer person in America than just marriage. So many other right. issues and obstacles. And I just remember being like, I don't feel like this is home for me. I don't feel like this is a place where I could really be active because it's being led by white men and it's just a different life. And so um, fast forward like 10 years. <laughs> Um, when I had moved to Atlanta and I was introduced to reproductive justice by one of the co-founders at Arc Southeast. And after doing that, I was like, this reproductive justice thing feels like the one place that I could bring all of myself into a thing and it be honored and respected and encouraged and, you know, the way that I can also show up authentically. And so... I was like, yeah, I'm into it. And I, I want to find a job in this field, which turned into working at an abortion clinic um, in Atlanta, Georgia. So after and that was the beginning. Of yes, your that was abortion the whole journey. beginning of it. Yeah, it was it's so wild. But that yeah, was the beginning. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. The reproductive justice framework. Could you just like I know it's a very uh, you could teach a whole class on it, but could you just <laughs> briefly name like what that is for listeners who haven't heard of that? Absolutely. So one of the things I like to distinguish is between reproductive health, reproductive rights and reproductive justice. So reproductive health is you go to the doctor, any sort of health concerns that you have. 
going to an abortion clinic. Those are reproductive health, you know, institutions, places that you can go part of like the medical industrial complex. Then there's reproductive rights, which is, you know, really focused on the right to have an abortion, whether it's the right to choose, uh, the right to be a parent or not be a parent. That's what that focus is. So in 1994, when the 12 Black women decided to coin the phrase reproductive justice, it was essentially in response to this idea that we have choice. So white women are like, yeah, choose to be a parent, not to be a parent. And those Black women were like, there's so many other things that come into our decision-making process that you can't look at it through a single issue, you know? Um, so the reproductive justice framework is also a human rights framework. It's a combination of social justice work and also reproductive health and rights work. And, you know, reproductive justice is the human right to bodily autonomy, um, the opportunity to, or the choice to be a parent or not be a parent, and to raise your children in safe and sustainable communities. So to me, that is like an all-encompassing and intersectional view on what, what, why, what and why, or the decisions that people make and why they make them. So it's a bit more holistic than just the focus on the right to have an abortion. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's all encompassing, right? Like people need all of the above reproductive health, reproductive justice, reproductive rights in order to live happy, healthy, autonomous lives. Right. Right. Awesome. Thank you for describing that and and saying it so eloquently and succinctly. (laughs) Appreciate it. We have a lot more to cover. Yes. Um, I want to talk about ARC Southeast and logistical support. So Mm. you kind of named this briefly. Um, For our listeners who don't really understand what kind of goes into the process of getting an abortion and all of the needs and operations and logistics that happen Mm. behind the scenes. Can you just delve into that piece on logistical support a bit more? You kind of mentioned before, like if they need rides or, you know, hotel or translation services, I don't think people quite realize the time it takes to plan those things, the energy and the the money involved in that. So can you maybe delve into that a little bit more? Absolutely. So when it comes to Southerners being able to access abortion care, one of the things that I like to note is in 1973, Roe v. Wade made abortion legal, but it did not necessarily mean it's accessible. And so, you know, every year in all of the states that we've worked in, there have been this targeted regulation on abortion providers, on having abortion bans, having various types of legislation, Supreme Court things that come through that are made to create more barriers and people to be able to access care. So, you know, when folks decide to call an abortion clinic and schedule an appointment, they'll reach out to us not only for abortion funding, but to really strategize on how to actually get the appointment. So it's like, yes, abortion is legal. Yes, you can go to an appointment and get your abortion, but how do you get there? And so, you know, when thinking about at least the callers at ARC Southeast, it's like 87 actually percent of the folks, you know, who are trying to get abortions identify as being unemployed or underemployed. We also live in a region where there is no Medicaid expansion. And so with that, there's no like you can't use your insurance to pay for an abortion. And so especially during COVID, thinking about that person who's unemployed or underemployed and has a very limited income 
You know, they may have gas money to get to point A to point B within their community, but to say that they have gas to cross several state lines in order to get care is something like, well, I need gas for that. If I'm a parent, who's going to watch my kids? If if I'm going to a completely new city, where am I going to stay? Who's going to help me get to the appointment if I don't have anyone who wants to take me or I don't feel safe enough to share that with someone to be able to help me get to my appointment? When you get to the location, what are you going to eat? How are you going to eat? Especially if you've literally used all your money just to pay for an abortion. And so, you know, the average cost of an abortion is $500, around $500 here in the South. Most Black folks, most Black and Brown folks or anyone from BIPOC community don't just have $500 hanging out in their savings. So what ends up happening is folks are having to scramble, ask questions, hustle to try to get money to get an abortion, and all of like all the hoops that people have to go through it's so unnecessary. And that's why we step in, you know, not in this transactional way to be like, you need an abortion. Here's some stuff. Go team go. Mm -hmm. It's really like, well, what do you need? What would help this experience be better for you? Um, And really strategy working with and not for people um, because we're like, we're doing this with our community. We're not doing this from some savior complex. So really figuring out I mean, any of the, there's so many logistics, like maybe even not having the money to pay for childcare. There's, there's so many barriers that folks do not think about, even right. young people accessing abortions and living in a state where there's either parental notification or parental consent and having to cross state lines that way in order to get an abortion. That is like a huge obstacle for a lot of young people too. So you know, regardless of age, regardless of gender, because we know that trans and non-binary folks also have abortions too. There are just so many things that come into play, but abortion funds like ARC Southeast are doing this work every single day. Yes. Yes. And when you say have to cross state lines, just to clarify, is that because there isn't a clinic that's close enough in their state in order for them to access that care? Yeah, so about 95% of folks who live in our region live in a county without an abortion provider. And so, as an example, the state of Georgia has more abortion clinics than Tennessee, Alabama, Tennessee, Alabama, Mississippi, and South Carolina combined. Oh my gosh. And so, the reality is that folks are crossing state lines, um, even depending on waiting periods. So, It could be that there's a 24-hour waiting period in one state, but there's a 48-hour waiting period in another state, which just, you know, which means that people have to wait 48 hours before, like, once they've made the appointment. And sometimes in some states, it's after you've actually gone to the clinic, had an appointment, the the anti-choice folks are like, well, you need two days to go and think about whether this is the decision that you want to make and then come back. Um, so it's just like creating unnecessary barriers for folks, especially knowing that if you don't have an abortion provider, you have one in your entire state, more than likely, if you can't get seen in your state, you will be traveling for an abortion. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for sharing the reality of that Mm -hmm. horrific situation. To all my friends out there in a long distance relationship, are you feeling disconnected from your boo? 
Wish they could bring you pleasure in person if FaceTime sex just isn't cutting it? Well, thank goodness for Clona Willy. Clona Willy makes DIY molding kits that allow anyone to make an exact replica of any penis or vulva into a high-quality, 100% body-safe sex toy, so you can stay connected no matter where you are. Use promo code SEXEDWITHDB for 20% off at clonawilly.com. We talk a lot about sex ed, but when we're shopping for products to support our sexual wellness, exploration, and expression, we head to the experts at Lion's Den. For 50-plus years, Lion's Den has been a leader in adult products. Whether you want to explore a new kink or add a little romance to your evening, Lion's Den has something for all. Each location is brightly lit and staffed with the very best experts in pleasure, passion, and romance, so you can feel comfortable and confident in your purchases. Lion's Den's offering our listeners 15% off your purchase, in-store and online, using code SEXEDWITHDB. And also, I just want to kind of touch on, you know, on your website, y'all talk a lot about radical love Mm. and being rooted in centering community in repro health and abortion access. So can you like touch a little bit on this love aspect? I think it's pretty similar to like how you were describing in the beginning of, you know, we're we're life giving. We are Mm. really like rooted in love. Like, talk to me a little bit about that. Mm. That is something where, you know, when folks say love or radical love is a value, it's like, oh, that's so cute. That's sweet. But what does that actually mean? And so for us to really embody radical love in the work that we do, it's unapologetically loving folks for who they are, no matter who they are, no matter where they live, no matter what decision they make whether they just made an appointment to have an abortion, then change their mind, whether they decide to go through a pregnancy, but give their child up for adoption. You know, the whole range of those things is like, we're going to show you love no matter what. And that comes from a place of, it's like a reaction to what the antis, you know, the anti-choice protesters and folks say. They They say that they're putting in this legislation or when they're screaming at folks as they're trying to just walk into their clinic, you know, they're saying that this is coming from this place of love, that they're claiming this like moral high ground that they're in control of. And the reality is like screaming at me as I walk into an appointment is not love. Saying hateful things to me is not love. Calling me a witch or a bitch or some evil person that is not that is not coming from a place of love. So, you know, for us, it's definitely a reaction, but also knowing that we have so much love for our community, so much love for the folks having abortions. And yeah, just to be able to operationalize that in a way where you're like, by doing this act, this is coming from a place of love. By showing people what love means in various different ways, whether in our staff, that's like, you know, I'm going to do that follow-up call for you. Or why don't you take a couple of days off because, you know, doing direct service care is community care, but you also have to take care of yourself in order to take care and support other folks. And so acting with love, making sure love is part of the environment, it's not an easy thing. So to really, especially if we have come from families who we don't experience love or everyone experiences love in the same way. So for us, it's like we imagine a future where reproductive justice is a reality. And so if we're there, what does love look like? You know, what, how are we in relationship with each other? How are we planning on growing together and making sure that we don't have any other reproductive oppression come and impact our lives and our families? Um, So, yeah, that's essentially where that comes from and drives us in so many ways in the work. Super powerful. Thank you. 
So there's been a ton of attention on the loss of abortion rights in the last year or so. But Mm -hmm. for advocates in the South, you all know that this has been a reality for a very long time, for years, for decades. And so I really want to know, like, what does abortion access today look like for your patients and clients? Mm. And and what what's going on for them? What are the the major barriers, whether that be legal or otherwise, that they are facing as of late? Yeah. I mean, one of the things is, you know, this post-real reality that folks are worried about is actually our lived experience and being able to access abortions here in the South. And so, you know, in addition to when any time actually there's a ban that's introduced, there's this assumption that comes through folks that's like, well, abortion must be illegal or I can't get an abortion here or I, we've had folks in like Mississippi call us and be like, well, there's a six week thing going on. Um, you know, I don't think there's only one clinic here in our state. So I made an appointment in New York and you're like, oh, no, no, no. There's so many clinics between here and New York. There's so many places that you could go here. You don't have to take those drastic measures in order to access care. So, you know, folks are dealing with a myriad of issues just in their lives, whether that is environmental justice, not making a living or thriving wage, um, not being able to have access to healthcare if you don't even have any sort of healthcare provider in your county. So, you know, accessing healthcare in general is difficult here in the South, but when it gets to an abortion because it's so stigmatized, it's just like it's adding an additional level of barriers and complications for folks. You know, some people have never left their state. Some people have never left the county that they live in. And so feeling isolated and alone in that process is definitely something that keeps some folks from going through with their abortion because they don't have the support during or after um, their abortion as well. So, you know, it's definitely this environment that's been created that's like, like it's coming from this doomsday mentality where it's like, we're, we're going to lose Roe. Everything's horrible. Access is horrible. But for us, we're like, uh, we're still going to, we're still going to do this work no matter what, because regardless of whatever decision ends up happening at the Supreme court, access is still going to be an issue that doesn't guarantee that folks are going to be able to get to their appointments. Right. And so you know, it's really like thinking creatively about how to get people to their appointments, regardless of whatever legislation is present in those particular states. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And once again, you know, I think I think this is a slippery slope because there's this misunderstanding of people in other states other than the South of being like, well, let's just boycott these states and like not you know that's just absolutely not the correct thing to do because folks like Oriaku and many other people have been doing this work for a very long time and boycotting those states is also like leaving support hanging for the people who have been fighting in the right. south um do you have any any i'm sure you have many things to say about that but does that come up for you like absolutely often? yeah so when hb 486 which was the abortion ban that came through the six-week ban that came through georgia it was so interesting because so many people from the film industry i mean there's so many movies that are filmed in atlanta from like 
Ant-Man to, all, I mean, Spider-Man. There's like so many movies. Um, that's funny that I mentioned those two. But anyway, um, <laughs> yes, I'm going through a whole Marvel cinematic situation. But <laughs> um, so, you know, in that moment, a lot of Hollywood was like, oh, no, let's leave. Like, we can't work in these conditions. This is horrible. Well, what that does is, you know, the same people who are working on those sets that are cooking meals for folks so they can do that work, that would be taking away income from folks who are already going through any, you know, some income insecurity who are underemployed or underemployed. And so the idea of taking away business, which would then help people to generate income on their own to be able to get their abortion, you know, that it like leaving the state is not actually helpful. We It means that we need a deeper investment um, in our states in order to be able to do this work, a deeper investment, you know, in not only our state, but the people doing this work is what is required. So anytime folks talk about boycotting or leaving, I'm like that, that's not, that's not going to get us where we're trying to be, y'all. So. Absolutely. Yes. And, you know, given that you have been fighting in the South for years, you're a very experienced expert in abortion care, rights, justice, etc. I'm wondering what is your best advice for how to support abortion access and patients in a legally hostile climate? Mm. I just feel like there are so many ways uh, that folks can show up, whether that, you know, is leveraging any sort of finances, money that they have to be able to pay for abortions, whether that is volunteering with your local abortion fund to be a practical support volunteer or a volunteer in general to help do some of that work. Because a lot of the funds that we work with either don't have any paid staff or just maybe one staff person. So there's a lot of things, especially around like infrastructure, logistical work, um, even tech work that might be required in order to like get a database so you can adequately re- uh, record the information that folks have um, about the clients that are coming, you know, through their states. So that is something Um yeah, I just feel like money is definitely needed. Give us dollars. Yes, give me them coins, you know. Um, it was one of those things. <laughs> it was one of those things because we're always fundraising um, between March and April and getting ready for our um, anniversary at Arc Southeast. And so, I mean, I was like, we have a dance-a-thon every year. So we're like, oh, I will cool. stimmy, I will shimmy for a stimmy. <laughs> Give us this money. That's you a know? good slogan. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I was like, like that. we got to get this money, y'all. Um, but outside of the money, one of the things that I ask folks as well is, you know, to me, there's a difference between being an ally and being a co-conspirator. Mm-hmm. And that's a question that folks actually have to ask themselves. You know, it's, do you want to stand in solidarity with us? Or are you trying to like jack things up with us? Are you trying to take a progressive, proactive, forward stance on what we're doing and how we eliminate barriers to access. You know, we're always asking folks, how far are you willing to go for our collective liberation? Whether that is ordering pills um, and being like, as a white woman, if someone were to order pills, it's like, okay, I'm not going to think twice about it. And if they're driving down the street, they're more than likely not going to be arrested 
than I would or one of our callers who are part of the BIPOC community would be. So it's like, how are you going to, how are, how far are you willing to go? What are you willing to do to make sure that people get what they need? Are you going to open up your home to allow people to sleep as they're crossing state lines to get to where they need to be? Are you going to drop off food for folks? Like, what are you willing to do? Are you going to go to the Capitol and speak up and speak out against all of the stuff that we're going through? Um, so yeah, that's that's what I would say is like really not in, you know, there's a lot of folks who have like brand recognition and larger national organizations that folks are familiar with donating to, but really do that work to see who else in my state, in my community is actually doing this work and how can we support them? Absolutely. Yes. So incredible. I really like this idea of are you going to be an ally or are you going to be a co-conspirator? Like, mm-hmm. are you are you going to actually take action and put yourself in maybe like out of your out of your comfort zone in right. order to fight for the rights that other folks have been fighting for, even if they don't need to exercise that right in yes. the moment? Yeah. It's kind of like it doesn't matter if you if you need that right now. Other people are in need of right. that. And they don't have access to it. And what are you going to do or what am I going to do to make that better and to make it happen? Right, right. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things, too, is like there's a lot of response in this particular moment because folks are scared, rightfully so. Like folks are really scared, really unsure. Being moving in this place of uncertainty is always I mean, it's never a good thing, you know, Um, and there's all sorts of planning that goes into it. And at the same time, you know, at Arc Southeast, we like to do this work with the spirit of abundance. And so we're like, there's so many people. We know there's money out there. We know that folks are down for the cause. So how do we need to act? What do we need to do in order to get people to join us? You know, if you're talking about the world is going to end, what are we going to do? We're not going to have any rights I'm like, who wants to join that? But if you're like, (laughs) we are going to do this work and we're committed to doing this work no matter what, we're going to do this work because our people deserve this. We deserve a future with reproductive justice. Then like, join us if you're down. Like, we'll figure out something for you to do, you know, because there's so much work to do and not in a response to just a particular moment, but in order to make the changes that we want to see, this is like a long-term investment in our community, a long-term investment in doing this work, moving things along so we can get closer to a future where reproductive justice is a reality. And I believe that we can achieve some level of reproductive justice in our lifetimes. This is not, Mm. this is not something that, is impossible, you know, but the opposition would like us to think um, that what we want, the future that we want is unthinkable. It's unimaginable. And I'm like, well, if we believe this is the future that we want, let's do what we need to do to get there. I am amped. I yes. am I am ready to go. Um, tell people listening where they can find you and how they can get involved and what your particular needs are right now so people can actually act in a way that's helpful. Yes. So folks can find us on our website, which is www.arc-southeast.org. Uh, there you'll get all sorts of informations and also links to be able to donate to ARC Southeast. So one way is giving money. 
Another way is joining us to be a practical support volunteer. We are definitely looking for folks outside of Georgia as well. So if you live in Alabama, Florida, Mississippi, South Carolina, Tennessee, we're always looking for folks all throughout our region who can do that work around providing you know, rides and that lodging and opening up their homes and caring for folks' kids as they're getting their abortions. So that is something that we're also looking for. It's also having conversations about, about abortion in their communities, you know, having that conversation at your kitchen table. How are you talking about abortion? Is this something that you address or is this something that you're just making an assumption that is there or not? So we ask people just talk about abortion. If you need some support with that, you can visit us on Instagram and Twitter at ARC underscore Southeast as well. Lovely. Thank you so, so much for being on Oriaku. I've learned a ton about your organization and the needs. And I just really, really appreciate your radical kindness and like mm. really wanting to ex explore the idea that abortion care is coming from a place of loving kindness. Right. And, and just it's so essential that we prioritize this care for folks that need it. And I am just very appreciative of your work. Uh, so thank you so much. And thank, thank you for teaching. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. If you've ever seen porn, you might have interacted with the term squirting before. But what is squirting and how do you do it? Beducated's got your back with an amazing squirting course. In this course, you'll learn techniques for how to squirt with and without sex toys, learn what squirt is and where it comes from, dispel any myths and concerns around squirting, and discover all about the anatomy of the pelvic floor. Join Beducated from just $7.99 per month with a 24-hour free trial using my coupon code SEXED at beducated.com. What's better than your partner's penis? Two of your partner's penises, of course. Say hello to the amazing, the wonderful, the super fun Clona Willy. Made in Portland, Oregon, Clona Willy is exactly what you think it is, a DIY molding kit that allows anyone to make an exact replica of any penis or vulva into a high-quality, 100% body-safe sex toy. Because all parts are art. Use promo code SEXEDWITHDB for 20% off at clonawilly.com. Did you know that American regulators consider sex toys as for novelty use only? This means that the materials are unregulated, yet we put them in the most absorbent places in our bodies. 25 years ago, Fun Factory was born with one mission, to provide body-safe German-made toys for a level of safety you can't get anyplace else. I personally love that these toys are not only safe, but also ethically made and award-winning. It's the kind of luxury our bits deserve. Use discount code SEXED with DB for 15% off Fun Factory toys. Our creator, host, EP, and sound engineer is me, Danielle Bezalel, aka DB. Our co-producer and communications lead is Katherine Cohen. Our music theme is by Hook Sounds, and our ad music is by my stepdad, Bill Gant. Thank you so much to our featured guests, partners, and our listeners. Want to advertise with us? Email us at sexedwithdb at gmail.com. For more sex ed content, follow us on IG at sexedwithdbpodcast and on TikTok at sexedwithdb. See you next time.